When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Good morning. We're coming to you live from Shelley Beach Golf Course. We're overlooking the 18th, but we're snug and warm inside the gorgeous clubhouse here. And it doesn't feel right. Uh, obviously, the course is closed due to weather conditions, so no golfers out. Uh, it's like a travesty of justice. It is, yeah. Golf course with no golfers. It doesn't <laughs> seem right. But I'm looking at, looking at the window there, Stephen. The surf is absolutely pumping this morning. It is it's fairly rough out there. But, uh, yeah, no golfers. That's very rough also. Like a pub without beer. Uh, Gary, the guru, Birkinshaw, uh, one of the best administrators in sport. Good morning to you. Uh, no Michael Butner, but... He's going to dial in live while he's on the motorway. He's off to watch his son play football this weekend. Uh, So we'll talk about all the NRL that's taken place. Great grand final replay last night. I know Adam back at headquarters steering the ship, steering the Lamborghini around this morning. Uh, Good morning, mate. How are you feeling as a Souths fan? Yeah, good morning, Steve. Uh, Burko. Yeah, look, uh, obviously disappointed. Uh, I think Souths certainly showed some signs, but, you know, their defence, I thought, was... uh, was quite ordinary at times and they made a bit too many errors and I think at the back end of the game the Panthers took advantage. Yeah, fantastic game. A couple of great tries. The one that Luai set up. We'll talk to Butes about that a little later in the show. So 26-12 full-time there. Sharks 18-0 over the Knights. So a couple of weeks in a row where the Knights have gone down after starting the season well. I see in the Telegraph that Mitch Barnett might be moving on. Uh, He's currently suspended and an unbelievable game. I mean, this game, I think it was 2-all for the majority of the match, and then it finished 8-6 Titans over the West Tigers. Oh, man. Imagine being a West Tigers fan. I mean, they had that game, but uh, it was an absolute bludger, Burko, to be honest. Yeah, I think anyone who sat through that 80 minutes is certainly... A, a, you could, you could put, put a tick on the wall that I'm a diehard rugby league supporter because... Yeah. There wasn't it wasn't a lot to like about that, but it's amazing how those games tend to bring out the most extraordinary finishes. And you know, you're leading six two, you know, what seventy seconds left to go. The ball put up hits the upright, yeah, and then happens to fall into the West Tigers' hands. So right, you beauty, we've got this. No, nah, ball gets knocked out, and then the Titans put barely a fingernail on the ball. Yeah. And game over. Yeah. Uh, it was just for for Madge Maguire, who's really under the pump there, and yeah, that that. Just winning that game gives him a week of clean air, effectively. But now it just builds up and he goes to another press conference. And what can you say? Yeah, that was an absolute calamity in the end goal. Uh, the AFL so far. So last night, the showdown. Adelaide winners 96-92 against Port. And Port got thumped last week. Uh, Melbourne winners against a, a fairly gallant Essendon Bombers. I thought they were right in that match, 99-70. Uh, this is the one we really want to talk about with Troy Luff, who's about to join us. Western Bulldogs, uh, I think they won the free kick count. What, what was it, Burke? 34 30, to... 31-17. Yeah, well, I thought it was worse than that. Yeah. I, I thought it was about 34 to 12. But 
Either way, it was terrible. But you look through those two middle periods, though, and you know, I, don't, I don't look so much at how many free kicks you get. Like the, the free kicks don't have to be even, but my biggest issue is that through the second and third quarter of that game, the free kicks were 17-3. to three. So it wasn't that the Bulldogs got 17 free kicks, but for the Swans pick up three. In, yeah. in an hour of football, there's only three free kicks being given. I, that, that's, that's the part that I... Struggle to understand. There, there needs to be a Spanish Inquisition. And let's go to one of the legends of the game. In fact, I'm going up with a standing O first thing on this Saturday morning for the great Troy Luff. Good morning, mate. And what do you make of that? I, I didn't realise it was 17-3 to 3 through the midsection of the game. Yeah, good morning, fellas. Yeah, at, at one stage, the third quarter, it was 8-1. to one. one free kick in a whole quarter of football. And some of the free kicks that the Bulldogs got... Both players were mystified. There was a marking contest in the goal square, both players holding each other, and the umpire blew the whistle. Both of them looked at the umpire going, what, 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 is that against me? And then he put the Bulldogs, the arm out for the Bulldogs. And that was a, a goal. There was another one where Dylan Stevens tackled someone and everyone got up and ready to move on. And the umpire called dangerous tackle. And players, because of the new rules, if you back chat one minute, the penalty... All the players do now is just look confused. So that's that's as, that's as harsh as you can get. And and the free kick had it, it was thirty one fourteen was the total. Um, and there were so many free kicks in there that that were costly for for the for the Swans, where the, that involved them getting goals. And look, but in saying that though, guys, the Bulldogs played so much better in the first half. The Swans scored one goal three. It was their lowest halftime score since nineteen ninety seven. And funny enough, that was against the Bulldogs, and Plugger ended up kicking seven goals, and the Swans won. But that wasn't going to happen on Friday, Friday on Thursday night. They fought well in the the second half. They had their chances, but end of the day, they just didn't play well enough to win. Yeah, look, the one that got me off the lounge and throwing uppercuts was uh, the Tom Liberatore, where Buddy's he's pulled off the perfect tackle. Uh, there was prior opportunity about 20 metres out from goal, and I just thought, oh, that will do me. But uh, like you said, Luffy, uh, Western Bulldogs get the win, 71-60. to 60. I know SEN in Melbourne, they were tweeting on Thursday night. So social media went into meltdown about this game, and a lot of people talking about when they met in the grand final a few years ago, and it was a similar story, Luffy. Oh, it was. It was actually worse in the grand final, and, and that, was a, that was a close game, but the free kicks ended up being the, the difference between a win and loss for the Swans, and that was in the grand final. And, and someone actually put on one of the Swans' Facebook pages yesterday that the games that the Bulldogs have won since that grand final, they've had 75% more free kicks. Now, that is huge. So it's, not, it's not just one game or two. I think it's seven games or, or six games that, that they've beaten the Swans since the grand final. And, oh, sorry, including the grand, 75% more free kicks. So... You know, it's, it's certainly saying something about the result or the reason for the result. Yeah, uh, just your thoughts on Sydney. I mean, after the big win last week, uh, we, Buddy kicks 1,000 goals, and I thought they played very well in that second half. Uh, there were some fantastic goals. Buddy kicked a screamer from in the pocket. Uh, you know, classic Buddy goal. But what was your analysis of Sydney? Okay, the first, the first half, and a lot of people said, oh, they're just going to ride the emotion of last week well they didn't come out to play and the Bulldogs had all the play all the inside 50s the Swans couldn't even get it past halfway but he he kicked a couple of goals you know throughout the game but didn't really do a lot some of the 
the players that had been playing well. Isaac Heaney was not bad. Um, unfortunately, Tom Hickey injured himself and he was off and he was playing really well. Armini that replaced him did a, a reasonable job. Uh, and I think just some of the Swans defenders, like Dane Rampey, he was struggling a little bit. Uh, but of course, the Bulldogs had um, Wiedemann that popped up and ended up kicking four goals, which was a fantastic effort for him because some of their other forwards, like Aaron Norton, were being well held. Paddy McCartan, he's been great in, in all three games. He took so many intercept marks, as did his brother Tommy. So their defence, with those two in it, looks so much better. The problem is, is forward line. Tom Papley's injured at the moment. They haven't got another forward. Buddy Franklin, he's not going to kick four goals every week. Um, Isaac Heaney's in and out of the forward line. They just don't have another big marking target. And that's what they need, the Swans, uh, going forward. Yeah, Luffy, uh, in the off-season, they recruited Peter Laddams. I think they expected him to fill that role, currently running round in the twos. Do you think the injury to Hickey will give him an opportunity to, to get into the first? Well, they've got to... Well, first, we don't know how, <coughs> how bad Tom Hickey's injury is and how long he'll be out for. That'll probably give Callum Sinclair a run, as he is the other ruckman. But what's good about Callum Sinclair is he can play forward, and he's done it so many times before. He's gone up forward, kicks a goal or two. Uh, Armady is, is quite mobile as well, so when he fills in the ruck, he can certainly move around and play forward as well. But, yeah, I don't know what they're doing with Laddams, to be honest. They, they did say that he was going to be a you know, walk-in first-grade player this year, and unfortunately can't get a game. Yeah, Luffy, I'll tell you what we have seen this round so far. We've seen some wayward kicking that's almost cost teams. So the Doggies, 9-17, Sydney, 9-6. Uh, Melbourne, 14-15 to 10-10. But last night, Port had 27 scoring shots to 21 and lose the footy game to be 0-3, 15-6 to 13-14. What were your thoughts of the showdown? Well, if you look at the inside 50s, how much Port had, and they, they threw the game away. And, well, talking about throwing the game away, the free kick... Now, I can't remember who the player was that gave the free kick away with 20 seconds to go. The timer ran down, the siren's gone, and former Swan Jordan Dawson steps up. And the, <laughs> I tell you what, when it came off the boot, it looked like, it looked like a point. And then all of a sudden, it just swung around the goals... And how crazy was that? Matthew Nix in the coaching box, he just went off. It was so exciting. Uh, and it was great to see the Crows win. Look, the Crows have been down the last few years. And, and Port Adelaide now, you know, as you said, they lost last week as well. They're not looking that good this season. Yeah, especially in that game, Luffy. They were 13 points up with, with five minutes still to go in that game. And you know, Bo, Travis Boak had a shot for goal you know, with, with 90 seconds oh, well, to go. Yeah, yeah, Travis Boak shot for goal. Travis yeah. shot, you know, experienced player like him with that would have that's iced the game, sealed the game. Yes. A minute to go, directly in front, got the fifty meter penalty, bang, game over. He misses, gives the Crows a chance. What are your thoughts later on today, Luffy? GWS, they're looking to get something going. They play the Gold Coast at four thirty five. Well, I'll be working at that game and I reckon you could quite easily be able to spot me in the crowd. Uh, well, what crowd that will be there. Uh, the, the biggest crowd they've ever had between these two sides out at, uh, at Homebush is 8,600. I doubt they'll even get 7,000. Even though today's weather's fine, the weather's been so bad in Sydney, it will detract a lot of people from going. And I actually give the Suns a bit of a chance. Phil Davis has gone down. He's having a hamstring operation. He'll be out for half a year. Jacob Hopper's had a knee operation. He'll be out for half a year. They're struggling up forward. They don't have any goal kickers. 
So I, I really do think that the, the Gold Coast Suns, uh, you know, they're a chance. I think, I think the Giants will win, but I think it will be actually a good game. Hey, Luffy, one of the games of the weekend, uh, a Hawthorne the real deal. So they smashed Port Adelaide last week. Tomorrow, one ten, they take on Carlton, who are up and about in 2022. That's going to be one of the matches of the round, I think. I actually think Hawthorne, you know, with Bruce kicking some goals coming back, I think uh, having Sicily back in the side, I I do think, I mean, look, Carlton are fantastic as well. Uh, They've started so well. But I think this is going to be one of the games of the week. And I think Hawthorne, I think they're pushing back to be a finals contender this year. Um, Maybe not pushing for the premiership, but I think finals contender, I think the Hawks, I've tipped the Hawks today. I think it's going to be a good game, probably the match of the week. Yeah, you've heard it, heard it here first on this show, Hawthorne Finals Contenders. Hey, Luffy, uh, Butte's not here this morning. He's driving down the motorway. He's listening to the show. What, what have you got to say to him? Uh, maybe uh, just uh, fire a couple of salvos over the bow on this Saturday morning. Well, first, he'd be good that he would fulfil his contract and uh, put us up for some accommodation, you know, after three years, he keeps saying that he's going to. And, and then he says, oh, look, yeah, you can come and stay on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday in June. Oh, awesome. Just what I want to do, stay at a resort with a pool and next to the beach. So that would, that would be a start. In the middle of winter, yeah. Yeah, just a quick one, Luffy. Yeah, good talk about the AFL, but uh, how'd you pull up after Tasmania? <laughs> Oh, it was a great game. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I actually felt like I'd played a real game of footy, even though there wasn't a lot of body contact, but I ran so much. Uh, it was the first, ga- first game of the year. I was hoping he'd play today, but our, our games have all been washed out. So, and it was a great cause for muscular, muscular dystrophy. And, you know, some ex-stars for Vola. Brendan Favola was out there always entertaining. Daryl White was entertaining. Leon Davis. So, yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed it. It was great fun. And did you get over 40 possessions? I probably had about 30, I reckon, from the half-back line. <laughs> but how many goals, Luffy? Nah, half-back. Played half-back. That's the easiest position. I, play, I played on, um, on Brett Stevens. He was, he's 60, so it was pretty easy to get a kick. <laughs> no, Luffy, I've seen you play half-back before, mate, but you're always around the goals anyway, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, I try, but, yeah, everyone's trying to do the same thing. So, Yeah, beautiful stuff, Luffy. Great to have you on the show. All the best, and we'll talk soon. All right, I'm just about to take my little daughter, Millie, to get her second jab. So, ah, there she is. She doesn't want a needle. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, have a great weekend. See you, Luffy. See you, Uh, Luffy. Former Sydney Swans legend, now commentator, the great Troy Luff. Uh, the show all thanks to Robson Civil with over 60 years of experience. Don't forget the open line, the McDonald Jones open line. Get your dream McDonald Jones home started today. 1300 42 Your thoughts of last night's footy with Penrith. Nathan Cleary back, just outstanding, steering the ship for the Penrith Panthers, the reigning premiers. Packed house. I mean, that house is just rocking out there at Penrith, isn't it? Haven't been beaten there since 2019, Penrith. I think it's is, is nine, it, 19 or 20 games in a row they've won at Penrith. Yeah, 19 in a row. Yeah. We're off to our first break this morning. We're back in just a moment. Mariners head coach Nick Montgomery is in Ballarat. They take on Western United just after 2 o'clock this afternoon. Saturday's on the coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
Yeah, good morning. We're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course. A special thank you as well to Lachlan, our technician extraordinaire, and his partner, Roxanne, from South Africa, who's helped with the setup this morning here at Shelley Beach Golf Course, because we'd be lost if it was up to us. Oh, couldn't survive without it, to be perfectly honest, Steve. And <laughs> Roxanne was saying, oh, she's a singer. Just, just battling to get in, really struggling a bit after the pandemic to try and get uh, to get the, her uh, you know, songs out there. So. so are you saying that there could be some halftime entertainment in today's sports show? Well, I'd be highly surprised if there's not, Steve. Yeah, what's her repertoire? She says she's been, she used to do covers, but now she's been writing her own songs. So, maybe a yeah. bit like Adele? Like, uh, you know, that kind of big, booming, diva-ish voice? Well, she's come back with a no, but that probably means a yes. Well, maybe, maybe punk rock? Could be. Could be. <laughs> I, I tell you, I would like to see it. Uh, she's got a bit of colour in the hair too, so I'm thinking maybe a little avant-garde, perhaps. Nice. Yeah, ec- yeah. eclectic, an eclectic mm. mix. Uh, the show, all thanks to Robson Civil with over 60 years of experience. Catch every NBL game live on ESPN with KO. Uh, speaking of the NBL, uh, Jack Jumpers, the Tassie team, and there's a Central Coast boy in that, that team as well, uh, 80 to 72, and the Hawks winners, so uh, they continue their good form, 87 to 70 over the Brisbane Bullets. Melbourne, Melbourne United versus the Hawks a little bit later on today. Uh, caught a great game in the NBA through the week, so uh, it was, uh, it was uh, Golden State. Uh, you know, just fantastic to watch the boys in action. But Steph Curry is out at the moment. They're up against Phoenix and uh, went down. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great game. That actually, I saw a bit of that myself. And Phoenix are obviously the leading side in the uh, NBA at the moment. But they're coming down to the finish. So I think they've only got uh, half a dozen more games to go. So uh, some big push for the players. Lakers look like they may, on the verge of missing out, even oh. on the play, even on the wild card player they got, which will be unheard of with the, the great LeBron James in the lineup. Uh, i tell you what is awesome, the new series Winning Time, uh, which kind of documents, oh, it, it is so good. Uh, I recommend it to anyone. It documents, you know, the start of the Showtime Lakers when Magic first arrives there. So I've watched about five episodes. It is outstanding. Uh, NRLW today, Dragons up against the Titans. Uh, so this is tomorrow, actually. Semi-final time. Dragons v. Titans at Leichhardt Oval. And Broncos up against the Roosters. So that is one versus four. We'll talk more about that with Buttes in a moment. Right now, though, let's go live to Ballarat. Nick Montgomery is there, head coach of the Mariners. Good morning, mate. How is country Victoria? Morning, guys. Yeah, it's nice to be in Ballarat. It's uh, quite cold. Uh, typical English uh, English morning. So, yeah, the temperature's dropped about uh, 10, 15 degrees. Oh, man, it's freezing here. It's it's like a winter's day on the Central Coast. Monty, uh, firstly, congratulations on last week. I watched the highlights again of the 3-0 win against Adelaide and... What stood out for me, well, A, there was a, a stunning strike by Arania, but what about the speed of Matt Hatch late in the game where he has absolutely smoked one of the defenders? Like, when you watch that, he's had about a 90-metre run and then nutmegs the goalkeeper. Yeah, look, last week was a, was a fantastic result for us. Um, you know, uh, they went down to 10 men after about 20 minutes with the goalkeeper sent off when, when Marcos would have gone around him and scored um, but look anyone that's played football and the opposition goes down to 10 men sometimes it's very very difficult the mentality that they them change they sit back you know nine men behind the ball and re- realistically you know numerically they're losing one striker if they play with two strikers so it's not easy to break a team down you know nine men behind the ball looking to catch on the counter attack so um, look I told the boys at half time just be patient 
keep moving the ball, the opportunities will come. And yeah, we kept knocking on the door, knocking on the door. And once the first goal went in, it was uh, yeah, it was they had to come out then, and and we picked them apart. And yeah, we could have could have got a couple more goals. Um, but you talk about Hatchy there, obviously yeah, very very quick and. At times, it's just uh, making him understand what his strengths are. And I was screaming at him when we got the ball just to run. Just screamed at him to run forward. And yeah, it was a forward run, a forward pass. And the next thing, he's in front of the goalkeeper and nutmegs him. So it was a good uh, good way to round off the game and a very important uh, win for us. Yeah, I think you're right what you said there, Monty. I think patience to me was the, the key. When they went went the one player down, you had the advantage. And then you were able to... took 70-odd minutes to the score, but you stayed patient and then got that first one. And then to put three goals in and also keep a clean sheet. Certainly, you know, it continues the excellent run that you've been having. Yeah, for sure, Bukes. And, and, you know, talk about the clean sheet. You know, another local boy, Cam Windust, MPL product that, that you know well. Um, you know, he was fantastic. That was his first game in the first team. Um, debut, starting debut, and, and, you know, against a very good attacking Adelaide team. So that was another big plus of the night. Um, but, yeah, just not the starting team. The subs that came on. Mikey Mudgy, you know, it's not always the 11 that start, it's the boys that come off the bench and, and when you come off the bench you need to make an impact and, and yeah, we had that impact, so yeah, good good win and, and, and you know, important for us to, to get a clean sheet as well. Hey Nick, I should just let you know, we haven't got Buttes this morning, it's the guru, Gary Birkinshaw, uh, Buttes driving down the motorway to watch uh, his son play football. Hey, give us your thoughts, your analysis of Western United, coached by John Aloisi, currently second on the A-League ladder. Yeah, obviously John was a, a good ex-player. Um, you know, he's had a couple of jobs in the A League now: Brisbane, um, Melbourne Heart, and, and, and now um, Western United. But yeah, look, he's been backed really well. We've obviously got a good budget. He's brought in some good visa players. Previc is a, a, bit, a big number nine striker. Uh, you know, been been at some top level clubs, um, and yeah, they've you know they've 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 assembled a good squad. And this year, they've been resilient. They've had a lot of one nil wins as well for a period, um, which is obviously got them a lot of points and, uh, and put them high up the ladder but look we uh, we don't fear anybody in the league you know whether it's home or away we'll go and try and win the game and yeah no, no illusions it's going to be a tough game today it's going to be a physical battle they're an aggressive team so yeah we're, you know it's, uh, it's a two o'clock kickoff in in cold conditions so yeah I expect it to be uh, you know I expect it to be a, a good fast game yeah, Monty, uh, tell us a bit more about Jason Cummings. His form of recent, and probably ever since he's joined, the Mariners have been exceptional. And uh, last week was certainly no exception. He'll be a key player today, obviously, against Western United. Yeah, look, I said it in, in my interview after the game. You know, I brought Jason in. I, I had to battle to bring him in. I, he's a player that uh, undoubted uh, ability, you know. And, and, and if you ask him himself, he knows he should be playing top level in England and, and Scotland where he did play. Um, but, you know, we, we managed to get him over and it's a period in his life where he knew that, you know, he has to get his head down now and, and, and really work hard. But, look, he came over with the full intent to, to, to break it in the A-League and, and get himself in the Socceroos. He's 26 years old. He's got an Australian passport and, and I don't think there's a player like him. He's good at the ball, you know, with, with the ball at his feet. He's good at running in behind. He's got a magical left foot and a, and a really, really good football brain. So, uh, for us to get into the Mariners was a, was a massive, uh, you know, for me, it was a massive coup to coup to bring him in. Um, but he's been he's been outstanding, and, and as a person, just his work rate and his work ethic is is uh, infectious. The boys love him, and yeah, he just gives everything. As soon as he walks on that pitch, you know he's going to give everything. And um, you know he could be on quite a few more goals. He's the first to tell you he's he's been frustrated at his um, the amount of opportunities that he's had. Where he's, he's uh, you know he knows he should have scored for his quality. But look, he's he's got more assists than anyone in the team already. I was delighted for him to get his goal against Adelaide. He deserved it more than anyone. And 
and now he's got that goal. He's, he's uh, nine games to go, no doubt he's going to get more. Hey, Nick, just two more quick questions. Is there a buzz in Ballarat? Can you feel like there'll be a good crowd to support the A-League this afternoon? And the second part of the question, in your final press conference yesterday, you mentioned about some niggling injuries and some illness in the squad. Can we expect many changes to the side that faced Adelaide last week? Well, firstly, I'm not sure what you're expecting, Ballarat. Um, I don't actually think I've been here before. But look, hopefully the, the local the locals will come out and Western supporters will be there. Um, and, and yeah, it should hopefully make for a good atmosphere. Yeah, in terms of you know, a couple of niggle injuries and a couple of illness, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there will be a couple of changes, you know, enforced changes. But to be honest, I don't, I, I never worry about that because I know that the boys that come in, whether they're coming from the MPL or, or you know, or, or squad players, it doesn't matter. I've got full belief in everybody and. If they come in, nothing changes. Everyone knows their job, and you know when when one's out, it's always an opportunity for another. So, um, yeah, like like most weeks, there's been challenges and obstacles to overcome, but not just here. You know, most clubs have uh, have had had these issues, but yeah, for us, it's uh, yeah, we're, we're, we uh, we all work hard together. And like I said, whoever comes in, they know the job, and, and and they've got full belief that they'll do it. So yeah, looking forward to today, and we'll have to wait for the team sheet. Yeah, beautiful, mate. And uh, unbeaten in five. Good luck against the number two team in the competition, Western United, later on this afternoon. Nick Montgomery, thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Take care. Football legend Nick Montgomery joining us live from Ballarat this morning. And just as we go to the news, uh, we send our love to Ruan Tonyuk and his family. A really, really tough week that you wouldn't wish on anyone. And I know the Mariners wore black armbands and... Uh, the whole club has rallied around Ruon, who's played for the Socceroos and had a sensational year last year. So lots of love and support to Ruon Tonyuk and his family. Off to the news. We'll talk some netball in a moment. Nerida Stewart has been named the coach of the Australian men's team. We'll find out more after this on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice hey, for man, tools, steel, now. gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. Live from Shelley Beach Golf Course, Steve Allen and the guru, Gary Birkinshaw. Hey, just a quick shout out. Uh, Mandy Allen, listening live from Palm Beach, Kurumban. Uh She said, uh, Steve, I love you. You're my third child. And she said, I love Saturdays. It makes my week. So uh, we'll actually see Mum tomorrow when we get to Queensland for the Aussie surf titles. Yeah, that's good. And I hope she's surviving the wet up there. It's been very wet on the Gold Coast the last week. And uh, I think our, our veteran cricketers have been up there with New South Wales and they couldn't even bowl a ball. So, And can you believe what's happened like around Lismore and those beautiful towns on the Richmond River where they've copped it again? So our thoughts are with them. Uh, the show, all thanks to Robson Civil with over 60 years of... Leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. By the way, the open line as well, 1300 42 15 33. 1300 42 15 33. 0477 736 736 on the text line. You got quite a few last week on the McDonald's, uh, McDonald Jones text line and open line from uh, one of our favourite golfers. Yeah, look, uh, Dan Bosley and uh, and was, gave some nice feedback and seeing how how well the show was going. And I can give give a bit of an update on Bosley out there on the Gosford Golf Course. It's open today, and he's playing quite well after seven holes. He's one over, so obviously no one's making too much noise out there. So someone hasn't got the radio on, but they probably should be. But no, nah, well done, Bosley. Keep it going there. Yeah, Good I'd there. I'd like to challenge him. I'd like someone to turn the radio on and see if he can hit it straight. 
Well, obviously he can't. We've already he's already proven <laughs> that. But uh, but no. He's, well, uh, so he needs quiet on the set. Quiet. Yeah. You, you can't have someone at Gosford holding up one of those paddles. Quiet, please. At Gosford Golf Course. Well, obviously that's what he expects. So because he expects. So next time I go out there, I'll have to have the quiet paddles out so, there. And so really, you need to hear a pin drop when Boz is teeing off. Yeah, and it's a long silence. So we've got the long silence while we're waiting for him to tee yeah. off. So. Oh, I've heard he dwells over the ball for quite some time. Deliberates. <laughs> yeah. Very deliberate. Hey, um, hey, let's. Uh, we've been sidetracked. Let's get to the new coach of the Australian men's netball team. I think it's standing O material as we rise as one. Nerida Stewart, good morning. Congratulations. Oh, good morning, fellas. Thank you so much. It's, a, it's been a massive week, uh, an exciting week, but... Um, I'm coming out the other side of it now, and the uh, business side of it is starting to hit home a little bit. Yeah, so congratulations, uh, Nerida. What was the actual process to get the role? So they called for nominations about a month ago, uh, which they got extensive numbers, which was fantastic. And then we had to go through an interview process that went for probably about an hour and a half. Um, which involves some simulation stuff uh, with media uh, scenarios set up and then also some coaching scenarios, which was I found a little bit uh, stressful and uncomfortable when you're talking across a computer screen in those sort of setups. And, you know, normally when you're coaching, you're trying to hit home in those rev-up moments. It's real eyeballing stuff, and you can't really do that over a computer screen. So it was a bit of a challenge, but um, one that was successful in the end, thank, thank goodness. Yeah, that's incredible that you actually had scenarios. Uh, have you heard about that before, Guru? No, I actually haven't, but I've never also applied for the Australian netball job either, just quietly. <laughs> any, any idea who you were up against? Oh, look, I had. There were two high-performance coaches that were there, Brian Lyons and uh, Maury Gahart, who's also involved in the, the New South Wales um, Men's Opens program. So there was some pretty competitive... Uh, uh, opposition there. A lot of people that have involved, been involved with the men's netball for a long period of time as well. Um, a lot of history there. So um, it was a very competitive field. So I feel very privileged to be able to be handled them the, uh, the baton, so to speak. Yeah. So what do you feel gave you the edge? Look, I think I, I have a very sort of combination of approaches when I coach. It's a little bit of old school mixed with a bit of contemporary and I think that the men's game has got to a place where it is through the history and the people that have come before it. And they've done such a formidable job of getting it to, to where it is right now. And I think like any sport, there comes a point where there's a bit of an evolution and they need to look at how they can approach things a little bit differently. And um, I obviously have got the goods for that. And, and they see that there's a future there for me to sort of contribute to the program. And I aim to do my very best and give whatever I've got to, to give them the edge. You're, you're going to see some of the best male netball players in the country in just a few weeks down in Adelaide. Uh, the Nationals coming up? Yeah, we, we take off uh, in two weeks. Nationals kicks off on the 17th of April uh, down in Adelaide, which everyone's really uh, looking forward to. It's been a few years now where it's been cancelled due to COVID, like many other competitions in the country. And I think there's a lot of uh, coaches and particularly the players that are just super keen to get out there and hit the court and strut their stuff and, and show what they've sort of been trying to work on for the last two years but haven't been able to have an opportunity to deliver. So for me as coach, I'm super super keen to get down there and have a look at some of the players from the different states and, and see what we can do to build a really great national program. So, Nerida, last time we spoke to you, you were getting ready for the, the Swifts Open Day and they are playing trial matches against the Swifts. 
First yeah. of all, how did that day go, and, and what's the program <clears throat> been since then as preparation for the Nationals? <clears throat> Look, the um, Swiss day was fantastic. Their fan day, they really put on a great day for their fans. So just to be part of that and be there and, and get amongst the atmosphere was brilliant. The men came away with two wins over the Academy and, and the Swifts, but you know, needless to say, the games were, were brilliant to watch. They were exciting. The crowds were getting right into it, which was um, a great opportunity for Swifts to come up against some really strong physical competition, but also great for the boys to sort of start to work on the things that they've been trying to shift and change in their game. And so that was great. And then... Since then, we've also had um, some games against the Giants where we've noticed that we've built and, and the Open boys had a really good 30, 30-odd point win over the Giants in that game and the Academy came with, away with a 15-point win over the Giants Academy. So we were pretty happy to see the progress that's happened in, in that sort of two- to three-week period between those two opportunities. And we've basically just been training Fridays and Sundays and, and looking to build, but we're getting into that real nitty-gritty, you know, three team training sessions left and we're starting to get the nerves and the butterflies are coming now, so it's about controlling that. And I'm, I was just listening to you guys, <clears throat> having a bit of a chuckle, excuse me, <clears throat> about the, the, the all quiet on the golf course and prepping <laughs> and we sort of try to emulate the complete opposite in a training session because it's so noisy in a stadium and it's sometimes, you know, training, you, you play noise, you play really loud crowd noise while they're trying to execute stuff to try and get them used to that. So there's no quiet in Netball Stadium, but... I was yeah, well, maybe maybe the words prima donna come to mind when you're talking about Bozza. <laughs> like, uh, we need to... Well, when I was in Los Angeles at University of Southern California, we could hear this incredible noise and it was their, it was their football team trying to emulate what they'd get at the Coliseum in Los Angeles. So a lot of teams try to do that. Hey, yesterday we caught up for NBN TV and you gave me the numbers on men's netball. Can you share that with our SEN audience? Yeah, there's there's currently about 100,000 men playing netball in some capacity within the country, which is um, a very large number. And I think probably one that people don't realise is out there and, it's also had a bit of a growth of sitting around 30% roughly um, over the last sort of 18 months. Um, and I, I can only see that number growing. So it's great to see there's some strength there and a really good base to build on. And yeah, so narrative, so from a Central Coast perspective, with the Nationals coming up uh, shortly, is a, obviously a, a young player, Noah Stevenson, a recipient from a Danica Clark Foundation scholarship during the week, number 100. So he's going to captain the under-17 side, that correct? Yes, he is. He's, he's an absolute um, pleasure to watch and a treat to watch out on the netball court. I've known Noah since he was little, actually, running around out on the uh, Gosford netball courts. I actually um, had the luxury of coaching him for a season, and he's a formidable young athlete, and he's definitely the future of, of our game, and I can't wait to sit back and watch him grow because he's sort of sitting in that nice space where he'll be pushing, if you know, if we're really lucky for that, 2032 Olympics gig, he'll be one of those names that'll be floating around out there if he persists with the sport, and I really hope he does. Yeah, um, Narita so signed a... Exciting. She signed a 10-year deal, so it gets her through to uh, <laughs> Brisbane 2032. Hey, uh, Narita, the, the other player, we've spoken a lot on our show in the past about Jasmine Forcadilla. Her brother Liam is also an outstanding player, is that right? Yes, Liam's a mid-court player for the, in the New South Wales Open team, and he is just um, a really dynamic, graceful player out on court. Um, sometimes when you get some of the basketballers when they transition across to netball, and I know Liam does have a basketball base, which you would expect from his family, but 
I think you sometimes see that, oh, yeah, they're a basketballer. Liam, Liam looks like a, a high-quality, you know, elite netballer. He, he just plays with grace, and his skill set, elevation, and speed is incredible. So, yeah, absolute treat to watch. Hey, Nerida, I know we said we'd go over two breaks, but uh, Michael Butner has demanded some airtime to talk about the footy, so we might leave it there. <laughs> Con- congratulations on your appointment as Australian men's coach. I'm going up again. It's another standing ovation on this Saturday morning for Nerida Stewart, former Swift and now coach of the Australian men's team. Well done. Thanks so much, fellas, for having me. And um, it's really great to have an opportunity to talk about men's netball. It's a sport that everyone should be watching. And I'm going to be around for the ride for the next few years at least. So thank you. Have a great day. And Nerida said that the men's championship, I think the last three days, will be televised. So that would be fantastic. Yeah, look, I'm really excited to watch that. I will watch that because Nerida has really painted a very good picture of the athleticism and, and having two girls who actually play netball to actually watch it being played by the men the way she describes how quick it is I'm pretty excited to watch that yeah and there's a couple of players like I'm, I'm talking Joel Garner perspective like if, there's a few guys I watched some video yesterday they're like about six eight yeah they might even be a seven footer the guy doesn't even have to jump to put it in the rack uh, so how do you defend against that especially when you throw the athleticism in as well <laughs> yeah I, it's uh, it's amazing and, and I think Nera said last time is the problem with the men's netball is the court's not big enough, so yeah. that should be good Good to watch. We need to uh, go to a break, but uh, in the Suncorp Super Netball this weekend, Swifts loses last week against the Giants, and they also lost Sam Wallace, the superstar. So they take on the Vixens, who are round one winners. Lightning against the Firebirds. West Coast Fever against Collingwood. They both won last week, so that should be a good matchup. Fever, a big win, actually. And the Thunderbirds versus the Giants, they also won last week, so two first-round winners will go at it in round two of Suncorp Super Netball. Back in a moment, we'll talk some footy with Buttes right after this. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning at Shelley Beach Golf Course, overlooking the 18th. Course closed this morning, but looks beautiful here. Some big swell as well. Uh, thanks to the bald badger, Mick Morley, uh, one of our great mates, friend of the show, and he sent me a photo. He says, Steve-O, the entrance beach is gone. Uh, no beach left. It's been washed away. Uh, the entrance celebrating 100 years of surf life-saving this year. And what a legendary surf club. I actually knew about the entrance through Chris Bond, who was a two-time Australian ski paddling champion, world champion as well. And Peter Lang was also in that club and Cole Lang. So rich history for the entrance surf life-saving club. Uh, text line 0477-736-736. The open line, McDonald Jones Homes open line, 1300-421533. On the McDonald Jones open line right now, Michael Butner. Good morning, mate. Driving down the motorway. Hello, boys. How are you going? Yeah, we're well. Uh, how are you enjoying the show, Butes? Well, mate, fantastic. I've uh, had a few problems getting in and out of uh, listening to it, but overall... Radio Gold Boys, as per usual. Yeah, Butes, where do we start? Uh, you played for the West Tigers. Uh, it was your last footy club, actually. And what do you make of their season so far? And just calamity at the end for the poor old Tigers on Thursday night, going down 8-6. Yeah, look, it's been a tough old start for the Tigers. And I, I've got to say, I don't think it's going to get any easier for them with what they've got coming up in the next five rounds. Um, yeah, it's... 
a real battle for them at this point in time. Um, it wasn't a, a game of high quality, and I've got to say, when you were looking through the uh, the TV guide, uh, the Thursday night game being the Titans and Tigers, it wasn't one of those ones where it got you on the edge of your seat and it probably lived up to the expectations, to be honest with you. Um, only one try scored, and that was in the 79th minute. And I've got to tell you, the try, there wasn't a lot of skill involved in it. <laughs> and uh, the Titans snuck home with a victory. And look, the only reason I'm happy about that was because I tipped them in my tips. That was the only yeah. uh, positive out of what was a pretty ordinary game, I've got to say. Yeah, Butch, what did you make of the Tigers' decision to kick for goal right at the end there? They led 4-2. What if they took them out to a 6-2 lead, but obviously gave the Titans the opportunity to get down in, in the in the Tigers' area? Uh, look, I heard, the, uh, I heard the back and forth between Fatty and, and Cameron Smith, and to be honest with you, mate, I personally would have taken the kick for goal as well, um, and I would have backed the fact that we would have been able to control the ball and get down there. Um, I don't necessarily think that, look, you know, you could look at it the other way and, and what have you, but um, I'd always be happy to go four points ahead. Uh, and if they did happen to score and it was wide out, the pressure's on the kicker to actually make that happen. So for me, I was comfortable with the decision. Ultimately, it proved to be the wrong one. Um, but we'll never know what they would have done in that five minutes. They probably could have... The West Tigers probably would have thrown three intercepts anyway, so I wouldn't have made any difference. <laughs> hey, uh, Buttes, uh, around about two minutes left, so let's uh, do some rapid fire. Sharks winners 18-0 over the Knights. Aidan Tolman scores a try in his 300th game, and, you know, what a great ambassador he's been for numerous clubs. Mate, fantastic effort from Tolman, and just snuck over the line. I have no doubt that over the years that will become more than one metre that he ran. Um, I don't know whether you saw it, but that Spider Katoa was as acrobatic as you'll ever see in the game, and it was fantastic to see. And, of course, last night, the, the uh, grand final replay with the Panthers uh, getting uh, on top of the, the Rabbitohs. Gee, they were good last night. Dylan Edwards is in outstanding form at the moment. Cleary back for the Panthers. He was, you know, he was at his, you know, what you would expect. Uh, controlled the game well. But they're just a very, very good side. I was impressed with the Rabbitohs, the way they were, had the ability to hang in. And, and the loss of Nichols was always going to be significant for them uh, in that first minute. Yeah, and what about when I sent you the text last night where uh, Jerome Luai... A uh, bit of razzle-dazzle, then a left-foot grubber that goes about two metres, and Liam Martin falls on it in the 69th. Wow. You know, yeah. they've got some uh, some firepower, haven't they? Oh, they certainly do. You know, that spine that they have, Cleary, Luau, uh, Dylan Edwards, and then Coruscant, it's probably one of the best and most potent in the competition. And uh, you know what? All of them st- uh, stood up last night at various stages, uh, and Luai, you know, he was part of that first try. Uh, he just ran through. It took me back to Brett Kenny running through gaps back in the early 80s. Um, he just, you know, we haven't seen a lot of that from Luai. But I tell you what, I'd like to see him running more with the ball because he is deadly. Buttes, uh, enjoy the weekend, mate. We're, uh, we're off to the news. We're back in a moment with Matt Horsnell live from Sydney Olympic Park. All the best to your son playing football today. Good on you, boys. Michael Butner, co-host of the show, uh, part of the Three Ring Circus that is a Saturday morning. Off to the news back soon on SEN.
Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. And uh, we said that we might have halftime entertainment. I can't believe it. So Lachlan's here, our technician. Roxanne is here, the uh, South African international superstar. And we thought she might do some kind of anthem for us at halftime. Well, that's what I was expecting as well, Steve. When I come during the week, that's what you said. We're going to have entertainment you know, at the halftime, halfway yeah. break. And I'm not sure what's happened. Yeah, I'm gobsmacked. And she said which anthem. I thought maybe she could do both. Exactly. Yeah, a mix. Yeah, and she did tell me off the air that she did love rugby until, like, it's just gone berserk with rules, right? And you know what? And that I think a lot of people are in the same boat with that. You know, rugby, it's just very hard to watch at the moment. Yeah. Text line 0477-736-736, the open line. All thanks to McDonald Jones Homes. Get your dream McDonald Jones Homes started today. 1300 42 Roxanne, last chance. National Anthem. Gee, I tell you, leave us hanging. Let's go live now to Sydney Olympic Park. And Matt Horsnell is there, who recently won Coach of the Year at the Sports Central Coast Awards. In fact, standing ovation material for Matthew Horsnell. Good morning, mate. Congratulations. You've already had your squad win a couple of gold through the week. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's, uh, and it's looking good today. A little bit of uh, that cloud and rain is moving away. Let's fingers crossed when... Uh, yeah, Katie Gunn did pretty well in the uh, in the under under twenties earlier in the week and confirmed her spot on the Australian team and uh, winning the uh, winning that. So she's done qualifiers, so she's booked a ticket. So she'll be off to Cali and Colombia. So that, that's uh, great news for her. She worked so hard. Yeah, it's amazing. And then Sienna Bond also in the long jump, and uh, so Sienna was under 18s. Is that correct? Yeah, under 18s. And she had a crack at the under 20s because she's jumped 6'10 before and she's done quite well. But she was sitting second with uh, one jump to go in the under 20s and got got bumped down to fourth. So she was uh, she came back with a vengeance in the under 18s because she's only young. She's only 17. And she uh, she won that. She was pretty consistent in that in terrible conditions. Into headwinds and uh, rain. So I, I, poor old Sienna. She's She's uh, jumping on Sunday as well in the triple jump, and it'll be the first comp all year that she'll be able to compete with without any rain. Every comp she's done, the poor thing has been in the in the rain. So let's hope she uh, she gets it together with a triple and gets another gold in that. Yeah, Matt Gary Birkinshaw here, Matt. With all the weather, you mentioned that. How's the preparation? How have you been able to get your your athletes prepared for a, for an important national championship, especially the weather we've had on the Central Coast? Oh, it's been pretty tough. Yeah, it's um, if ever we need a Central Coast indoor track, that's uh, this is the time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, with the amount of rain we've had, I think up to uh, getting up to a, a thousand millimeters, we've virtually had a yearly rain in uh, three months. So it's been very tough because what one one of the problems you get with a synthetic track, even you get a lot of rain on that, it gets quite firm. So you've got to really watch what you do that you don't. Uh, overcook the athletes with too much on that hard track where normally you get a bit of sun on the track and it's, it gets nice and bouncy and it's great to train on but even in the grass you know we try to go on some grass tracks but the, the grass areas but it's just too wet you, you sink down about uh, you know about 50 mil when uh, the amount of uh, power nicola in a foot strike 
that she puts through the ground, you know, she just has to be really careful where she goes. So it's definitely been interrupted, but uh, we're getting there and the results aren't too bad so far. So the athletes have done well and we'll uh, get through this and look back and, and have a bit of a laugh in uh, years to come probably. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Gary and I, we've both uh, taken a look at the Telegraph this morning and the superstar is back, the Olympic silver medalist, Nicola McDermott, the first yeah. uh, jumps that she will have of her campaign this year. Yeah, and she's, uh, she's looking pretty good, you know. Uh, it's a, we did uh, an activation gym session on Friday, and one of the things I used, we did use like a trap bar with, she has 80 kilos on it, and we just do a couple of activations where she jumps up and down with that on, and I measure the velocity, and... And it's, it's actually finally back up to where she jumped at the Olympics. It's around two metres a second that she does. And usually when she's firing those out on an activation, it's, uh, she's up there near what she's um, doing with the best. So it be interesting to see how she goes with this uh, preparation that's been, um, been up and down. And we, she got COVID like about three weeks ago and that sort of interrupted it again. But she's actually just responds so well. You know, her body's firing and she's, She's feeling pretty good at the moment, so you never know what could happen today. Yeah, and she'll take on Eleanor Patterson. And by the way, there's a live stream, so uh, if people want to check it out, uh, that's going to be one of the feature events on the program. Yeah, it should be great, I think. Can't wait. Eleanor did so well over two metres now, you know, the second Aussie over that. We want want to get 10 Aussies in there so we can, you know, we can get that performance right up and... um, but it's going to be great to, for Nicola to have a jump with it. Oh, no, she's really, uh, you know, that, that tends to lift her when she has competition. But um, we'll see how we go. So what time does that event kick off, Matt? It's about 5.30, 5.45 in the afternoon. So a little bit later. Yeah. And how, Katie how Gun, the... Gun's on about 2.30 with the Women's Open long jump. That'll be on live stream as well. She'll be on at about 2.30 this, this afternoon. Matt, as a coach, how do those two sports differ from your perspective? So the long jump and the high jump. I mean, it's almost like being an AFL coach, but you've also got a coach like a netball team or a football team on the side. Uh, tell me the differences between those and how you go about them. Yeah, the, the running is a bit different. Like high jump, the running is taller and you're cycling and you're creating a, a long jump. You also create a lot of power because it's a power event, but the, uh, the running is a little bit more speed orientated, so you do a lot more sprinting and, and fast stuff where Nicola does a lot more rhythm and uh, power stuff to get. She still works on a bit of speed, but not as much as the long jump guys. And plyometrics are a little bit different where uh, Nicola is a little bit more vertical, a lot more hopping. And where the, uh, the uh, long jump guys, we do a horsey drill, we call it, where we do those at speed and they're getting a little bit longer in the... Uh, in their actions rather than vertical. So apart from that, it's all pretty well the same, similar with um, with gym stuff and everything. What else are you looking forward to on the program this weekend? Um, right now we've got we're helping Alicia is uh, she's uh, an athlete. We just help we help her coach. She's coached by Rudy Sopko, Alicia Burnett's from Hornsby, and she pops up and does a few sessions. She does a bit of hurdles with Nick Sisti and. She's probably sitting in second at the moment with the uh, with the heptathlon. So we've got a long jump coming up now. We've got a, I've got a whiz over there pretty well straight away after this call, and then uh, 
she's got a javelin where she's pretty good at that's one of her pet events and then the then the hate hundred they call it the those athletes, they, they just hate that event because <laughs> it hurts so much. But, yeah, I got uh, some tips for her, Matt. I, I yeah. got some tips for her with the 800. You know that uh, I was a track star back in the 80s. At, oh, I know. Uh, Pump... used to do a bit of high jump as well. <laughs> yeah, Pump Beach Karaman. Uh, look, I was better over the 8 and 15 than the high jump, but, you know, I still won medals uh, yeah. in the high jump. Yeah. Uh, my tip to her, and uh, I know Buttes yeah. would agree with this, you know, just get out fast. But... Uh, yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, but easy on, running. Easy. Easy running. Like, stay nice and relaxed, and then you know, really lift between four and four and six hundred, and you can yeah. decimate decimate the field, and then cruise down the straight. And the big thing I think is keeping the form there, where you can't drop your hips and get low and you're all quads. You've got to use your the 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 back end a little bit to keep you going and keep up through the hips. And uh, then you can be more efficient on the ground. As soon as you get tired and you drop, well, every strike is into the track and you're blocking and it. It's just hard work after that. So that's the key yeah. as well as stay taut, you know, just stay focused and keep that form going right to the end. Yeah. Well, Pete Jacobs, the Hawaiian Ironman winner, I've listened to a lot of his podcasts yeah. and he's yeah. got a saying, no effort, no effort, just movement. So you concentrate on yeah. just what your what your body is doing. No effort, just movement, yeah. and that's resonated with me. Yeah, and that's the same in all the events. You know, you know, you were talking about records and everything the other day. Where what you do is go back to movement. You go back to the basics. Every every event's the same. You go into a final. You don't worry about the opposition or anything. You just think, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to run with a foot underneath, attack the bar holder lean, and um, and get a knee drive. You know, and you work basic movements rather than think about, you know, the, the uh, medal at the end. Otherwise, you never get there. <laughs> yeah, beautiful, Matt. So nice to have you on the show, mate. Standing ovation for Thanks, the Coach Mike. of the Year in Central Coast Sport, uh, Matt Horsnell. Uh, he's off to watch some junior long jump at the moment. And then Nicola McDermott later on today. Katie Gunn also in action. And uh, what a crack squad he's got, Guru. Yeah, he certainly has. And uh, look, Matt obviously puts a lot of hard work in, into his athletes and a lot of care there. And it's, it's glad to see him getting the results with some, as I said, with Katie and with Nicola, obviously, this afternoon. So well done to Matt and well done to, to the other girls as well. Yeah, the show all thanks to Robson Civil with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Check out their website, robsoncivilprojects.com.au. Catch every MBL game live on ESPN with KO. See, the Sydney Kings are in second place at the moment uh, behind Melbourne United. Um, really interesting-looking season in the NBL so far this year. Like, a lot of teams, like Melbourne United, 15-6. and six, The Kings, 14-7. and seven, Hawks in third place, 15-8. and eight. So, fairly even comp. A lot of losses for some of those leading teams. Well, I think the big story there is, is the drop-off that the Perth Wildcats have had. Oh, uh, you know, always a really strong side, always been up around the top. And, and they were leading for a while, but they're on a bit of a slump now. And ironically, the slumps actually come about when they've gone back home. They're yeah. over here for a long time. But the Kings have, have picked up a couple of good recruits. Obviously, Ian Clark coming from the – you spoke about the Warriors earlier on. He'd come over and had that little bit of experience there as well. So they're playing the Jack Jumpers tomorrow, who've 
We mentioned earlier, been fantastic in their first season. Yeah, yeah, and packed houses down in Tassie as well. Off to a break. Uh, this is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Next up, next up, we'll talk some cycling with Mark Tataranoff. Chris Dodd also joining us uh, this week. The Danica Clark Foundation handed out the scholarships for 2022. Can you believe they've hit 100? Over $300,000 has been uh, granted to Central Coast athletes since it first started. So just an incredible story. Chris Dodd is scholarship holder number one. He'll join us after 10.30 this morning. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, we're live at Shelley Beach Golf Course, and thank you again to the golf course for their hospitality. There is some golf being played overseas. We'll uh, update you on that a little bit later in the morning. Uh, Burko, you'd normally be playing at uh, Gosford Course. It is open at the moment. Yes, Gosford is open. It'd be very, very wet there, and um, Bozzer is still one over after 10, by the way, but... Golf course without golf, as we mentioned, uh, we mentioned earlier. It just doesn't Fancy seem, so. us tracking Daniel Bosley. Mate, well worth tracking. Well worth tracking. Obviously, yeah. Well, once again, we spoke about it earlier on, one over. Obviously, they need to turn the radio on because he's not listening to the radio. Yeah, they're very good after 10. Yeah, I mean, he's good. an outstanding golfer. Let's talk, some, let's talk some cycling right now because last weekend we had some phenomenal results. They all involve Central Coast girls. In fact, this trio, they've smashed some national records. Mark Tataranoff, their coach and also proud father, joins us on the line. Good morning, mate. Good morning. Hey, uh, so tell us, Lilia in action, also Nicole Duncan and Maya Dillon. Uh, last week, I mentioned they broke some national records. Tell us more about what events and by how much. <laughs> by how much, that's always tricky. Um, well, uh, Maya, Nicole and Lilia have been training together for a few years now. Uh, Maya's sort of uh, returned to the sport maybe a year and a half ago, and she's really improved dramatically over that time to try and catch up to the other two speedsters. Um, but the events, uh, there were 10 events for the under-17 women and uh, they raced in uh, eight of them, nine of them, and um, they won eight of them. So that's an astounding result for the Central Coast and for New South Wales. Um, yeah, so certainly is. And the, the team sprint in particular, I mean... I've watched that replay. We did a story on NBN News that night. And is that the event where they uh, won the event by, I mean, they smashed the Victorians by about three seconds? That's right. Um, and they broke the record in the qualifying round. And uh, then they broke it again in the final by 0.1 of a second or something. Um, so broke, broke the national just, record twice in one day. That's right. Uh, so very proud dad and coach here. Um, they were just on fire. Just got it totally right. Yeah. Mark, what about your daughter, uh, Lilia, her personal tally? Uh, just amazing at her national titles. Tell us more. Um, she won five goals out of six events and won a silver in the last event as well. So, um, and broke another national record in another event as well. Yeah. Well, um, can you tell us more about that event? that she broke a national okay, record in? Because that was set back in about 2014. Is that correct? 2014, that's right. Um, and that's the 500-metre time trial uh, where they start at a stationary start in a sort of starting gate. And um, basically, once the beeper goes, your first one 
around the track twice, <laughs> the fastest around the track twice is the winner. And um, we, we were hoping to break this record early in the season, but uh, some injuries in January, so we sort of said, ah, oh, well, look, let's just, you know, peg it back a little bit and just try and get you better. And um, got her better and got the record. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, it's an amazing performance, and you told me through the week that their speeds that they're riding at over 60 kilometres per hour in some of these events. Uh, what, what about the other girls? Because some of them also picked up gold uh, in their events. In fact, there was, speaking of speed and being a dangerous sport, there was a big crash in one of the events where, where one of the girls went on to win gold. That's right. That was um, Nicole was in the points race, and that was on uh, day three, and uh, that's 50 laps, and uh, every 10 laps, there's a sprint for points, and your accumulated points at the end of the race um, determine who's the winner. And uh, I think Nicole was very lucky to miss the crash, and uh, so she could continue, and uh, she just she just nailed the last sprint. Like she and the other girl that she was really racing against the two top riders. Um, they were trading top points for a while. And then Nicole had to win the last sprint and just rode away from the field in the last lap. So, yeah, amazing. fantastic. Hey, uh, Mark, we had, um, we had Matt Horsnell on just a few moments ago, who was named uh, Sports Central Coast Coach of the Year. Of course, one of his main athletes, Nicola McDermott, an Olympic medalist. How about for you? So you've got this stable of young girls who are the best in Australia at the moment. What's the pathway forward and where do you guys do most of your work? Uh, we train at Adcock Park Velodrome, which we're very lucky to have. So it's close, close to us. Um, and it's an outdoor velodrome. And it's open to the public. The Central Coast Cycling Club, uh, which we're part of, trains there twice a week and then you know we go there other other days as well to fill it in but we also drive down to sydney to the olympic velodrome dunk gray velodrome and train there depending on in the season uh up to three times a week down there um but yeah so there's a bit of a time commitment particularly on the approach to state championships and national championships uh and then we back it off now for a while have a little rest but the pathway well next yeah, so the pathway from now would be to um, they go up an age category next track season to under-19, and then we do it all again. Yeah. So, so you mentioned now, Mark, they have a rest. What, how long will they have off before they get back into it? And, and what's next for the girls? Well, now we transfer into road, road cycling, road racing season, and uh, that's very different. You know, we have to spend a lot more time on road bikes, riding around, Riding hills, uh, the races are about 68 kilometres. Um, so it, it, a lot more time on the bike, a very different type of training. But we still want to keep the sprint going, so we have to keep some of that, uh, hey, some of that hey, speed up. Mark, just a question. So Matt Horsnell spoke about some of the drills that Nicola McDermott does, particularly some of her weight drills, and, and he measures a lot of her, her, um, her key performance indicators off those weight drills. What about your daughter, Lilia? Because she was virtually untouchable at these championships and just seemed, even though she's younger, she seemed so much more powerful than some of these other girls and looked like she'd win nearly every event she did. Uh, what numbers are you seeing that make her so good? <laughs> well, I mean, there's data and then there's the results. Uh, different coaches coach differently. We tend to focus on strength power and speed in sort of phases as, as you approach. So, you know, you've got to be strong to be able to accelerate 
and you've got to be able to accelerate to go fast. And then once you can go fast, you've got to make the rider fit enough to last to the end of the race so they can do their speedy bit. Um, so the numbers, okay, approximately a thousand watts she can put out. Um, I don't know if that means anything to the listeners. Yeah, just to explain but, uh, it to us like we're a four-year-old. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just a measure of the amount of power that she can put out into the pedals. And um, she's, I mean, she's 15. And the other girls, they're only just a little bit older than her. And they probably put out a very similar amount of power. Um, and Nicole and Lilia are usually peas in a pod when we do a timed event. They're within 0.1 of a second of each other. So sometimes at nationals, you just lift a tiny bit. And I think, um, well, both of them lifted a lot. And yeah, it was just so exciting to watch. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you said to me, by far the best that Central Coast Cycling has ever done at these kind of championships? Well, I mean, <laughs> I, that was, I wasn't certain. And I have asked a few of the uh, club, uh, all the people in the club, and they say, in their memory, they've never seen anything like it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we think so. Congratulations, mate. And you know what? We've had a few standing ovations today, but I think three young girls going to Brisbane, smashing national records, that's definitely standing ovation material. Uh, well done, mate. Congratulations to all three girls and yourself as head coach and also to everyone. I know how great they are as a club, Central Coast Cycling Club. Congratulations on behalf of all of us at SEN. No, thank you very much. Mark Tataranoff joining us this morning and... I mean, they're three young ladies that you're going to hear so much more of and let's hope they really push into the open ranks and, yeah, maybe we'll see them in years to come on the big stage internationally. Yeah, look, a, a very proud father and a very proud coach and you know, that great performance from that, you know, working out of Adcock Park and uh, just the, the navigating a city, it just probably illustrates, Steve, just the amount of time and effort that these athletes put in over a long period of time. It's not just one year. This goes for years and years and years of dedication and commitment. And look, fantastic that they got these results here. And, and I agree with you. Hopefully that we'll see them further progress through, hopefully at Commonwealth Olympic Games and World Championships. Yeah. Now, I thought North Shelley Boardwriters at next year's Sports Awards, I, I thought they would win Team of the Year, hands down, because of the Australian Boardwriters battle. I think these three girls, they might push them. This could be a bit of a photo finish for Team of the Year at next year's Sports Awards. It's uh, Saturdays on the Coast. Don't forget the open line number, 1,342-1533. We do that thanks to McDonald Jones. Get your dream McDonald Jones home started today. Uh, catch every game of NBL, by the way. You can see that on ESPN with KO and Robson Sybil with over 60 years of experience. Back in a moment, we'll talk to Chris Dodd, the number one scholarship holder with Danica Clark Foundation, right after this. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning live from Shelley Beach Golf Course. Steve Allen and the guru, Gary Birkinshaw, the world's best sporting administrator. Great to have you, guru. How are you enjoying it? I love it. Always great Saturday morning talking sport. How can you go wrong? Just missing the, the golfers out on the course this morning, but uh, looking out over the beach, which is fairly pumping at the moment. Yeah, what about your footy team, the Richmond Tigers? Uh, what have they got this weekend? Uh, we've got St Kilda in the uh, in Maddie's match, Madeline uh, 
foundation match. So uh, good win last week to get back against the Giants after a disappointing loss to Carlton in round one. So pretty confident uh, tomorrow that we can uh, have another win. AFLW semi-finals. Yeah, how exciting is that today? So semi-finals, <coughs> Melbourne against Brisbane, first AFL women's game at the MCG, and uh, Adelaide taking on Fremantle at the Adelaide Oval. So. Two really cracking games. One thing we spoke about uh, the NRLW off air about how successful that's been viewer wise, and and the AFLW has been been just as well. So two good games there. Yeah, they're saying that the NRLW maybe twice the audience that some A League games get, which is amazing. And can you imagine how those women would would feel about to walk onto the MCG for the first time? Yeah, look. It, 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 be an awesome experience for you know, for any footballer to be able to walk on the MCG and for, for the women to be the first at it. And and full credit to the AFL. They've, they've given the AFL um, women's football clean air today, so there's no AFL men's matches during the middle of the day. So um, so they'll get, get clean air there to, you know, to, to showcase. It was supposed to be the grand final, but it had to get put back because of a, a COVID outbreak uh, in the Collingwood squad. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, but uh, so Grand Falls now next week. Yeah, fantastic. The uh, McDonald Jones open line, 1,342, 1,533. We got Dan on the line. Uh, Dan, good morning. Good morning, Steve. How we going, mate? Ah, uh, it's Dan Doohan, uh, also known as Teeth. <laughs> uh, good, good morning, mate, from the uh, Gosford Water Polo Club. And uh, congratulations in order, mate. You literally scooped the pool on Wednesday night. Tell us more. Mate, um, in M1s, it was a game between the entrance and, and Gosford, mate. And I'll tell you now, these two clubs have been real good uh, friends over the years and the entrance haven't played in the grand final in 17 years. Um, and they've finally got their chance to have a have a shot at the, the title. Um, but unfortunately for them, and fortunately for me uh, and the crew, we uh, we sort of dominated the, the field, but... Mate, it was uh, it was a really exciting game, especially in the first half. I think experience and um, basically the caliber of players that Gosford had kind of ran away with the game in the end. But mate, the friendship in the pool the the entire time it was just it was a fun game to play, and there was a lot of um, good spirits and it, it all told, I suppose. Uh, you said post match that it's the best starting seven that you think you've seen at the Gosford Club. Now that's a huge statement. Do you still stand by that a couple of days later? Mate, I still stand by it, and I've sort of been saying it for a little while. Um, it's really testimony to, I suppose, the the amount of effort that um, has been put out at Gosford from the likes of like Tracy, Paul, Frank, guys that have really brought our juniors through. And like I was thinking about it ten years ago, um, we were having females back up for first grade um, to help us through the comp. And then over the last ten years, we've really built the foundation of the club um, to become a dominant force and. I won't say that just from a culture and, and, and building up the, the camaraderie um, that we have in the club, but it's also individuals that have gone out and put in a lot of effort to become great players and get to the National League um, sort of level. And we talk about, um, you know, obviously, Sam and, and, and Corey and, um, and Luke Simpson. These guys have just now a formidable force when it comes to um, their player ability. Um, it's just... And I've been around the club for 30 years now. I actually was in there when I was 15 years old and around some of the old-time greats um, that used to be in the club. And I've seen some good sort of forces come and go, but this one is just its just phenomenal. No imports, all local players. Um, and it's just, obviously, it's great to see. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, you mentioned about the entrance, their first grand final since 2005. 
One thing that I love is that um, Lucas McAway from the entrance was named MVP. Uh, I think he scored maybe 47 goals across the season. Hey, we need to talk about the ladies' grand final. What an absolute thriller. And Gosford winners in the end by two goals. Mate, it was, it was an amazing game. It started out with Gosford sort of taking the lead at the, at the front. It looked like it was going to be a runaway. But to Warwick's credit, they really dug deep and, and sort of played play the game. They, they drew it back with about a minute or so to go. And, mate, everyone on both sides was screaming, yelling, and, 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 and really you know, cheering and barracking. At the end of the day, when Gosford sort of got that extra goal um, and, and with about a few or 30 seconds to go, got the second one and, and just ran, ran the clock down, mate. It was, um, it was exciting. Um, and full credit to Woiwoi, too. They, like the ladies that, that came back and that, they did an amazing job. But, you know, obviously, congratulations to the Gosford ladies. They dug deep. They're a bit of a younger side. We had Jackie Morrison come back um, this year. She's looking fit and she's playing extremely well as well. So, look, um, an amazing game to watch. And, and you know, obviously, um, congratulations to the Gosford girls. What are your thoughts across the entire season? Mate, oh, I said this in the um, the final speech. It's probably one of the best seasons I've ever seen. Due to COVID we, and a few other things, we didn't have any imports this year. And it was probably one of the best things that could have happened to the comp. The, the, I suppose the friendships between the players and uh, there was no sort of dramas through the year and everyone got on. And the culture and, and the growth that people put into their local players really really came to fruition. I'll probably think about um, the Wyong M2 team that at the start of the year, we, we didn't think we were going to be much, but James Dezius and, um, and a few of the guys there really dug deep and they put in a massive performance. I thought they were going to get run over by Woiwoi M2s, but mate, they were leading the whole way and ended up losing in the last sort of quarter, sort of got, got run away from them and they only lost by a goal. And I sort of think across the board and all the clubs, the entrance, Wyong, Gosford, Woiwoi, Mate, it's just been a phenomenal season for culture and growth, um, and, and I'm really looking forward to the season ahead. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Thanks for dialing in on the McDonald Jones Homes open line this morning, and uh, well done to everyone in Central Coast Water Polo. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. Hey, that is Dan Doohan on the open line. Uh, I did post something through the week. Uh, player goalkeeper Luke Dunford scored an absolute screamer coast-to-coast in the National League water polo playing for the Hunter Hurricanes. And it's getting a bit of viral action. Like, I think it's been shared worldwide uh, by a lot of people that love the game. Yeah, look, it was an amazing <clears throat> shot. And uh, I saw the post you put up and... Uh... You're you're fully water, water polo. How often would that happen? Now, nearly every, yeah, you know, probably every game, a goalkeeper tries it. Yeah, and yeah, you know, they're so strong and powerful now with such great leg work as well that yeah, they can get it pretty close. But it's not often that happens. And uh, you heard the reaction from the crowd, uh, and you can see if you watch the slow mo replay. So the Balmain goalkeeper is way up out of the water at full stretch. That's how good the shot is. So well done to Luke Dumford. He had an outstanding season. And his side went down by two, but uh, Balmain running top four in the National League. And they're going to play finals, which get underway, I think, next weekend. And the team to beat in that is the West Magpies in Sydney. They're chock-a-block full of about three or four Olympians and every other players on the Australian team. So should be exciting stuff, the National Water Polo League final series. Off to a break. Back in a moment with Chris Dobb, the number one scholarship holder with the Danica Clark Foundation.
Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Good morning. Hope you're enjoying the weekend so far. We're at Shelley Beach Golf Course, and as always, we thank them for their hospitality inside this beautiful club, the Aqua Restaurant at the moment, looking at some pumping surf uh, here on the Central Coast. And right now, let's uh, talk to a man who is the number one scholarship holder with the Danica Clark Foundation. They handed out their scholarships for 2022 on Wednesday night, and Chris was a co-host, along with Ray Anderson. Uh, Chris, good morning, mate. How was the night on Wednesday? Good morning, guys. Um, yeah, the night was fantastic. It was it was a great night. There was some really good athletes in attendance, um, and it was just so good to be able to, you know, hand out those scholarships to athletes that really needed it. Who were some of those new athletes in 2022? Well, where do you start? I mean, um, we had... A couple of really good ones. Uh, we had Tyler Gunn, um, a 400-metre runner. Um, he's you know, already represented Australia for the first time at 19 years of age. Um, we had Jocelyn Kelleher. Um, she's playing for the Roosters in the um, NRLW. Uh, what else? We had Riley Millers, the golf, the young golf prodigy um, from Magenta. And um, a couple of swimmers and triathlons. I think that was a bit of a theme of the night. Um, when discussing uh, all their training loads and everything like that, um, a lot of those young athletes are doing some incredible training at such young age, so you can see why they're achieving the things they are already. So if you're number one, number 100, can you believe uh, it's a new sport, uh, male netball player? Yeah, yeah. He was, a, um, he was a very interesting guy to speak to for such a young age. Um, it was young Noah Stevenson, and 15 years old, I think he is, and he's already in the under-17 netball side for New South Wales. I think at the age of 13, he, he first made it. Um, and, you know, he's really got some, some strong plans for, for the future and, and promoting male netball already. And, um, you know, it, a testament to him as well. For he's such a young guy. He's already wanting to give back to the sport. He's a, a pretty active umpire as well. Yeah, Chris was asked on the night, Gary, I know you've got the next question, but Michael Butner asked Chris on the night about the foundation and being number one, and Chris said, you knew it was created for a special reason, you just didn't know how special it was going to become. Yeah, look, it's amazing. You hand out 101 scholarships, and you know, full credit to the foundation you know, for what they've done and, and what they've done for the athletes. And Chris, being the number one scholarship holder, receiving that scholarship, what did it actually mean to you at the time? Oh, look, it, 14 years ago, and I still remember the, the exact moment, um, you know, sitting in the crowd, I, I had no idea. Um, I was sitting there listening to them talk about the foundation um, and, and how it was getting set up and what the purpose was and how prestigious it was to, to get the first scholarship. And um, when my name was read out, I was extremely proud. Um, knowing Danica as well as a young athlete, um, it was it was such a tragic event, um, but you know the pride I felt to get that scholarship, and even now, you know, 14 years later, it's no different. Um, I'm so proud to be involved, Danica, um, and the, the amazing athlete that she was, um, but also you know the attitude she had to sport. 
as well. Um, and for her legacy to be still carried on 15 years later and associated with so many incredible athletes um, and the performances that some of these athletes have achieved are phenomenal. Um, so to see, you know, what what we've been able to succeed and, and, and who we've been able to support over those years um, and the fact that I get to have my name associated with that as well, um, it's probably even more special now. Yeah, beautiful, mate. And you co-hosted with Ray Anderson, who's just back from becoming a dual Paralympian. And how was Ray on Wednesday night? She was amazing. She is such, you know, an absolute professional in all sense of the word. Um, and you have to be to be, you know, what, to be an athlete that achieved what she has. I think only the second female um, in Australia to ever represent um, Australia at the Summer and Winter Paralympics and only the seventh ever. So, you know, the things that she's achieved as an athlete but also as a person is, is incredible. And, you know, she was, she was brilliant on the night. She had some really great questions. And you could see how inspirational she was because after the night there was a number of people coming up to her wanting photos and talk to her and sort of pick her brain. Um, so, yeah, she was brilliant. Yeah, beautiful stuff, mate. Well done. Great to talk to you this morning, and uh, congratulations on a great job on Wednesday with the Danica Clark Foundation Scholarship Night. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. That is Chris Dodd joining us, the number one scholarship holder with Danica Clark Foundation. Uh, Some of the other athletes, so Luke Stimson uh, received a scholarship, so he's from the sport of water polo. Emmeline Wheeler, who's an outstanding surf lifesaver, also received a scholarship. Nick DeVivo, uh, so he's from the sport of tennis. He's about six foot eight and already serves at over 200 kilometres per hour. Ryan Green is back in from Surf Life Saving and also Stella Norris from Triathlon. Off to a break. We'll come back and uh, wrap this show up in just a few moments live from Shelley Beach. Saturdays on the coast on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, about four minutes left of the uh, show. And uh, on the open line, uh, the McDonald Jones Homes open line. Get your dream McDonald Jones Homes started today. 1342-1533. Live from Brisbane. Ashley, good morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm fantastic. How about you? What's, uh, what have you been up to in the last week? Well, in the last week, I flew back in yesterday to beautiful downtown Bris Vegas for the Warriors match today. <laughs> Just sitting on the deck at the moment at uh, Morton Daly Stadium, watching the grass. It's glistening, let me tell you, for the Warriors-Broncos match. Yeah, fantastic. What else? Uh, where would you fly in from? So I just got back from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, in Inglewood. So I was over there for the past week on a, uh, oh, a bit of a technology stadium tour, I guess. As such. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't laugh. It sounds like a junket. But uh, SoFi Stadium, the home of the LA Rams? Yeah, and the Super Bowl this year. And it, it's amazing, Steve. Like, you, you know, you look at the stadiums over there. $5.5 billion US. That's what it costs to build a 70,000 seat or 70,240 seats. Plus, another 30,000 seats can be added for the concerts and things like that. You know, it's got the world's biggest video board. It's all 4K, HDR. Um, you know, the Oculus, as it's called, um, hangs from the centre of the stadium, um, dual-sided, 
360 degree array of sound built into this as well, weighing approximately a thousand tons hanging above people's heads. Yeah, incredible. And uh, what about their hype video that they made that ran 90 seconds? Tell us about oh, that. That 90 second video that the Rams made for their hype video for Run On cost $2.2 million. They employed um, Oscar winning exception cinematographer we, uh, Wally. Sorry, Wally Feister, who's worked with the likes of Steven Spielberg and um, you know, others in Hollywood. But $2.2 million for 90 seconds for a hype video. Some of these yeah. times in the NRL spend about $2.50 on their hype video, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Ash, uh, did you go to NFL headquarters as well and tell us about that? Yeah, so, uh, that's amazing. It's a new premises next door to SoFi Stadium. Um, they've moved 900 to 1,000 employees. And that's where everything for the NFL is made. That's where they have their live broadcast from, their studios. They have all their conferences there, the coaches, the captains, the managers, the team owners. I actually got to sit in the theatre where they review everything. Yeah, incredible, mate. Is there a, a chance amazing. that... Is there a chance that at some point you might relocate with the family to the US? Uh, not in your life, Steve. You know, you wouldn't give up Australia for LA any day. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know, mate, what a, what it's, what it's a like, I'm surprised I didn't come back with COVID, but they keep on saying I'm negative. Well, what a trip for you! And what will you bring back to your role at the NRL that you've learnt in the US oh, this week? Yeah, no, just looking at what the teams do and 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 seeing some of the stuff that the Chargers do that also share that stadium, the Rams. Um, there was also the CEO from. Um, um, the Panthers there as well with his um, virtual reality Panther walking around the stadium. It's, it's amazing what the dollar does over there, Steve. No matter if it's from a club or from a from a sponsor, you know it, it's it's a different world. It's a di- different level. Hey, enjoy the footy in Brisbane. I believe it's almost a sellout. Yeah, there's under 500 tickets left for today's match between the Broncos and the Warriors up here. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Thanks for calling in on the McDonald Jones Home Open Line, 1342-1533. Ashley Gavinlock, a great friend of the show. Burko, awesome to see you, mate. Thanks, Steve. Uh, yeah, fantastic to be here. Good luck to the Australian women tomorrow in their World Cup final against England. Uh, we've got to go. Thanks to Lachlan. Thanks to also Roxanne. Thanks to Adam at headquarters. We'll catch you next week, Saturdays on the coast.